Welcome, worshipers. You're listening to the online worship service of the McGregor Evangelical Mennonite Church for June 13th, 2021. I invite you to sing along or simply listen and appreciate the music and the message. In light of God's greatness and goodness, we take the attitude that he is the potter, we are the clay. He is the master, we gladly obey. I owe the Lord a morning song. Psalm 104. Praise the Lord, my soul. Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. The Lord wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent and lays the beams of his upper chambers on their waters. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind. He makes winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. He set the earth on its foundations it can never be moved. You covered it with the watery depths as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. But at your rebuke, the waters fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took to flight. They flowed over the mountains. They went down into the valleys to the place you assigned for them. You set a boundary they cannot cross. Never again will they cover the earth.
Our song of confession asks God to purify and strengthen us. Our song of assurance reminds us that God provides everything we need as we prioritize his purposes, as we seek first the kingdom of God.
Please bow with me in a word of prayer. Our God, we come before you this weekend keenly aware that all too often we find ourselves wanting to choose our own well-being, our own wants, over the things that we know need to be done, over the well-being of others that may not have the ability to choose themselves. But God, we know that you have called us to exactly this. God, we know that you have called us to build the kingdom of heaven. You tell us it time after time in your word. And so, Lord, what we pray is that you help us, is that you help us to remember that there is another better way than focusing only on our own wants, that there is a better way that will not cause the destruction of the world around us, but instead we'll see it lifted up to new heights with your help. Our God, all too often we purposely choose anything but this. And so we pray this morning, help us to follow you. In your name we pray, amen. Matthew 6, verses 19 through 34, New International Version. Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness! No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, 
or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And welcome to our fifth of seven messages on the Sermon on the Mount. And of all of our passages, I think today is going to be the one that is most likely to be somewhat uncomfortable for many of us. And I don't mean that in a way that I'm saying I'm going to go out on a limb or anything with what we're going to see in our passages today. But more, today's passage is one that deals with something that tends to make us a little uncomfortable. Money. But before we get to that, and here I must be sounding like a broken record already, uh, but we're going to need to have just the quickest of refreshers of what we have gone over in the weeks gone by. Uh, as you've heard this spiel multiple times already, I'm just going to power on through both of the points. First, remember from a few weeks back when we talked about the Beatitudes, that list of blessings from the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. They are both a list of how we should try to live our lives, and also they are a list of the people that God and the coming kingdom of heaven will see lifted up. They are in the broadest of terms, the poor, the mourning, the meek, the righteous, the pure, the merciful, the peacemakers, and the persecuted. They are those who are the least in our world today. And that Jesus is for these people means that us Christians ought to work for their benefit as well. Second, in the sermon after the Beatitudes, we come to the teachings. Each of these teachings are in three parts. The first is a common wisdom, something people don't really think to question. The second is a problem that Jesus has with exactly that wisdom that is causing the world to often unconsciously trample on those listed in the Beatitudes. And the third is a solution that Jesus gives to how to address those problems now. And done. Record time there. So let's get talking about money. And to begin doing that, we need to look at our passage in its entirety. Found in Matthew 6, 19 to 34. This passage, as you undoubtedly notice if your Bibles are open, is in two sections, two teachings. But depending on the translation you are using, what those sections are will possibly be different. Some Bibles will have the first teaching as verses 19 to 24, while others will have it as 19 to 23. I am going to be using the latter reading, where verse 24, where we read about the two masters, is the first verse of the second teaching. I think that fits the three-part structure better. Uh, it also makes explicit that these two teachings are related to one another instead of just heavily implying it. And it also makes verse 29, where we read about the famous Famously wealthy Solomon's robes make greater sense. Either reading doesn't change the takeaway all that much. But first, we see teaching one, verses 19 to 23. We begin with part one, our common wisdom. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Next, we see part two, why we should not do that. Because that is where vermin and moths destroy and thieves break in and steal. Why is this such a big problem to warrant Jesus talking about it? History time. During Jesus' life, banking was not really a thing like it is today. 
For most people, if you happen to be lucky enough to have something of value that was worth storing, what you would do is you would most likely put it in a container of some sort and bury it somewhere in your house. Dirt floors in those days. If you just so happen to be lucky enough to have a lot of stuff, instead you would probably build a storehouse and hire a guard to keep watch. Now, what's the most likely way you would have to lose your hard-gained wealth in these days? Well, vermin have always had a particular gift for getting into containers of any kind, and thieves have always been able to make it into storehouses. That's kind of the bread and butter of their occupation. But more importantly, for understanding this teaching. These innate abilities of vermin and thieves at taking your stuff, it has long had another effect on people as well, causing them to both become overly concerned about losing their possessions again, as well as making them hyper-focused on their buried jars and their big storehouses and finding the need impressed upon them to see both of those things fuller and also safer. Put these two things together in your own life, and well, before you know it, you have become a bit of a miser, a little stingy, a bit of a wealth hoarder. But what's the problem with doing that, you may be wondering. It's kind of par for the course these days, after all. Just storing up all of your vast resources and money and whatever you may have. Well, Palestine during the time of Jesus was a dirt-poor backwater part of the empire. There were wealthy people, sure, but there were far more who were just on the verge of starving to death. So I ask you, can you think of anything more at odds with caring for those who are poor and hungry, both groups of people that are listed in the Beatitudes today, I'll remind you, than hoarding your wealth while these people who are the least among us are literally starving to death. I don't think you can. And this is the problem that Jesus points out. You can store your money away, ultra concerned for its safety, but there are literally people starving to death. So can't you see that there's a problem with that? And so Jesus presents a solution. It's in verse 20 where part three, this answer of his, begins. Care more about storing up your treasures in heaven than those on earth. Care more about building the kingdom of heaven with the resources that you have. The kingdom that is for those who are the least among us. Care more for that than you do care about getting ever more things that will in time rot away and you, you will be headed in the right direction. Or to put it another way, when it comes to the treasures of this world, what it means to be a good steward of what is entrusted to you, what it means to put these resources to good use, is not simply to save them, is not simply to hoard them, but to actually spend them on building the coming kingdom of heaven. Wealth is to be understood as a tool to do just this. And this is a whole change to how money and possessions are to be thought of. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Is your eye focused only on your pot buried in the corner of the room or your storehouse? Well then, that is rather unhealthy. But is it out there looking for how you can use what you have been given to build the kingdom of heaven? Well then, that is a healthy way. Then your heart is in the right place. 
To which we come to the second teaching in our passage today, connected heavily with the first, verses 24 to 34. Off the bat, we see our common wisdom. Part one, no one can have two masters. That is a negative stating of something that I think everybody struggles with today. For who among us does not want to have it all, stretching ourselves way too thin in the process? To which we read the second part of the teaching, where the problem of this kind of life is spelled out, even though I think we already all know what the problem is. Either you will hate one master and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and you will despise the other. Because, of course, in time, this is what will happen to you. The nature of masters is that they want to be the sole determinant of what you do, of who you live for. What two masters may want for you, even when they at times seems to be very similar things, will always one day diverge, ending you in a place where you will need to make that choice of one of those things that will control your heart and the other that is going to fall by the wayside. Whether you want that to happen or not, it will. And while this can be applied to so many things in our lives, here Jesus brings it back again to two things, the way of God on the one hand and the way of money on the other. Why of all the possibilities is it these two things he chooses to talk about here? It is because the ways of God and the ways of money are fundamentally different, but it is all too easy to trick ourselves into thinking that they are the same thing. It is all too easy to convince ourselves that if only I hoard a little bit now, I will have so much more to give to building the kingdom of heaven later. It can be so easy to convince ourselves of this because in it, we are allowed to put ourselves in control and relegate other people to the back burner, all for reasons that we see as being for the good of the kingdom. But do this, and all too often what you will find is that the day that you are waiting for, when you will give all that you have earned to build the kingdom of heaven, it will never come. Not because there will not be opportunity, but because the situations that did present themselves never quite in your eyes seem to justify the expense. This is not the way that we should be. This is a problem. This is the way of money. So how should we live instead? Give us this day our daily bread, Jesus taught us to pray last week. It is very hard to give up the way of money because from the moment we were born, we have had it drilled into us that without money, we will be hungry, we will be thirsty, but worst of all, we will be insignificant. But here is the truth Jesus teaches us in the rest of our passage. The Lord has never forgotten his own. Look at how he remembers his creation, Jesus points out for us. The birds of the air, the plants of the ground, he loves them and he values them all. He cares so much for them that this splendor and grandeur is upon them to the point that Solomon himself, with all of his near infinite riches, could not be said to be any more appealing than the least of the flowers of the field. Do you want to follow the way of God instead of the way of money? Then do not be afraid to follow God with what you have. 
Give freely of your resources, your time, your money, and anything else that you may have, and work to build up the coming kingdom in which God's creation and the people for which he cares are lifted up. And when you find this hard to do, when you find yourself instead drifting to the thought that now is the time to hoard, to put your own wealth gathering above the needs of others, remember that God takes care of his own. Live like this and far from drifting into insignificance or suffering hunger or thirst. Instead, down the path of God is everything. This is teaching number two. So what do these two teachings mean together for us? Well, a number of things, but the biggest I see is that they are together a call to change. A call to change how we think of the purpose of our resources in the first place. A call to change how we see money as less about being for ourselves and securing our own future than it is about being a tool for building the world of the kingdom that we want to see come in all that we do. And I would say that this is where the uncomfortableness of this passage truly begins to set in. Because if what the purpose of our resources are is, is something to be used like a tool to build the coming kingdom of heaven, to build a world that is good for the people listed in the Beatitudes instead of the one that we have now that grinds them into the dust, oh man, does that ever bring with it a lot of implications. There's no way that we could possibly get to them all, but how about we follow a hypothetical person through their career, the part of our lives that we most often in our minds connect with our resources, our finances, our money, and our time. And in doing that, I hope that we can pick up just a handful of ways that this passage should be impacting us. So first off, let's look at the beginning of someone's working life, the time where money really begins to become a major force to each of us. For a lot of us in the world, this entry into the workforce is not so much a decision you make as much as it's based on whatever is going on around you. But for many of us, this first step down this path to a career requires some amount of higher education, some amount of university or trades, some amount of choosing what it is that we are going Going to do with the rest of our lives. And it is here with this decision that the implications of our passage already begin to show their teeth. Because what's the most common way that we teach young people to pick careers these days? To look at the ROI, the return on investment, how much of your life and your money the program will take compared to how quickly you will earn that investment back. And already, if our goal is to use what we have to build the kingdom of heaven, to focus solely or even mainly on ROI when it comes to picking a career for our lives, that has us off to a rough start. For while I am not going to say that this is not an important part of the discussion in picking a career, for it to be the most important part of the decision, that's a big problem. Because making this the determinant of what you will spend most of your waking life doing is by definition making money the determinant of what you think is a life well spent. That's not a good plan. To choose a career solely in this way is to choose a career as if money is your master. So what should you who are choosing a career look at doing instead? Well, maybe just as important or more important than cost should be the question of what is needed right now in the world around you to build the kingdom of heaven. Given what you are good at, 
What is needed to lift up those who are the least in your community, your region, your province, and your country that you could do? Is there a particular occupation that interests you? Well, spend time looking at how people with that profession have used their career to help those in need of help. Also look into how in the past people in the profession you are looking at have hurt other people and why that happened as well. Assess to the best of your ability if that is still a problem or even a temptation to people in that profession today. And if it is an overwhelming issue still, maybe it's best to look at something else. This is your life we're talking about here. This is what you will spend most of your days doing. This is the main way that you will contribute either to building up or tearing down the world that is yet to come. If you want God to be your master, well then, then maybe questions like these, focused in on the needs of other people, on the needs of building the kingdom, should factor into the decisions you make about what you want to do. Now we skip forward to when you actually get into the workplace. It is right now in your life that most of the professional habits that you will develop that will stick with you for the rest of your career will come into being. So let's again pause and think about what this means in relation to our passage today. Are you willing to shortchange or take credit for the work of co-workers to get ahead? It's at this stage that you're likely going to find that out. Are you someone who is so ultra competitive to the point that you push other people away? It is now that this really takes a firm root. Are you such a perfectionist that more often than not you cannot stand to work with other people that will bring your standard of quality down? Again, it's now that this becomes a true issue. All of these ways of thinking are the way of money though, because all of these put your own well-being, your own image of yourself, above the personhood of the people around you, framing them not as human beings, but as obstacles to be overcome in order to get ahead. And I tell you, develop these habits at this stage in your life and they will be hard to do away with. It becomes the way you think. It becomes the thing that you are known for. How do you give that up once it's internalized? I'm not saying don't be a hard worker or don't be a smart worker, but there is a difference between this and thinking of others as anything less than human beings. It is possible to be in the marketplace, to follow the way of God when you are starting out in your career, to work to be the person who builds other people up, who cares for them. What's more is living in this way instead has been found in study after study to be a wonderful trait in future team leaders and bosses and business owners because, well, of course it has. Think of your favorite boss that you have ever had and ask yourself, did that person see you as a human being? And I guarantee you, your answer is going to be yes. To those of you who are starting out in your career, now is the time to cement the work habits that you will be known for. So fashion them after the way of God, the way that builds the kingdom of heaven by choosing always to see others and yourself as the human beings with innate value that you have and not just as obstacles to be overcome. And now let's skip ahead another time. You rise in seniority or maybe you started your own business. 
You get a say now in the projects that you do, and you maybe have a couple of people under you as well. And all of a sudden, you are constantly finding yourself staring down the barrel of that old term again, ROI, return on investment, the need to be efficient. There are only so many ways that one can do that though. But two that have long proven effective to get your numbers looking good include cutting labor costs or all too often by not caring so much about those secondarily impacted by what it is that you are trying to do. An attitude that over the past century has really caused the environment to take a hit. So, how might these teachings apply to these circumstances? The drive of business to be efficient, I wouldn't say is a bad thing. Nor even is sometimes cutting positions of circumstances mean it cannot be helped. But all too often, a mindset arises, in particular in bigger businesses where you have managers to managers to managers, a mindset that doesn't consider the lives and the livelihoods and the well-beings of those employed. Along with that, often in businesses today, things like environmental impact doesn't really come into consideration when it is determining how to most efficiently push a project forward. But this is the way of money. The way that again sees people and God's good creation as minor parts of an equation instead of as holding innate value as made by the creator himself. But look at the birds in the air, we are told in our passage today. The flowers and the grass of the field, all loved by our God. But not as much as our Lord loves even the least of us human beings. There is no way to take this passage to not be holding the well-being of the environment and the lives and well-being of people in the highest of regards. To follow the way of God, your decisions need to reflect that. And if they can't, if your position won't allow this from you, I'm going to share with you a bit of wisdom that seems distant every time we are in a profession that we feel is constantly at odds with who we want to be. There are other places out there. Places that will allow you to use your skills in such a way that something good can be built through you. It is scary to take that plunge into the unknown, but remember, God remembers his own. So if you feel that your job is being used to do evil, maybe it is best to step out in faith rather than to let it grind you down any farther. To follow God as your master means that these kinds of things, the value of people and the environment, and even assessing if you feel that with your career you are building something good or tearing things down, these things deserve prominence in the plans that you make. Anything else is to make money your master. And you can say that I'm being idealistic and not in tune with the reality of the cutthroat nature of the marketplace by saying this, you know what, fair enough, but that doesn't make what God himself is telling us in this passage any less true. And now for a last scenario. You get older again, retire, and the question of what you will do now, you find, often comes to mind. Our society, I find, tends to have a very loud message on this one. Live the big life, relax, you've earned it. So, to you, what does this passage say? 
Well, by now, I think we can see how a message that essentially tells people to ignore the world for their own benefit may be a problem. I mean, enjoy yourself, sure. Spend some more time with the ones you love, but to hard stop everything but relaxation time is as much a bowing to the way of money that writes off the world for the self as anything that we've already talked about today. Because here is the thing. I may not be a retiree myself, but I know a fair number of you who are well enough to say that I don't think that you're ever going to be in a better spot to know how the kingdom of heaven can be built in the world around you than you are right now as retirees. You have spent a lifetime picking up new skills to share. You have often accumulated some wealth with which you can now build the kingdom, whether it is you doing the heavy lifting or somebody else. You have lived in the world long enough to come to terms with the things in your community that need addressing. If we are ever going to build the world that is good for the people of the Beatitudes, do you want to follow the way of God? Then recognize now is the time to get to it. And more importantly, to train up the next generation on just how to do the same. When it comes to kingdom building. You retirees, more than anybody else, are in the prime of your lives. Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Today's passage can be an uncomfortable one because it asks an awful lot from us. But if we learn to live for our God instead of our money, it's exactly this, the attitude that will come to pass. Because if we can manage this, well then, with Jesus' help, we will find the kingdom built sooner than we ever thought was possible because we will find doing exactly this kind of work has a way of following us all the way through our lives. We read in 1 Corinthians, For the tradition I received from the Lord and also handed on to you is that on the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, 
And after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way with the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do this in memory of me. For whenever you eat this bread then and drink this cup, you are proclaiming the Lord's death until he returns. At McGregor EMC, we believe that communion is open to all believers. We believe that it is the coming together, not only of fellow Christians in the here and now that are participating, but with all of the rest of the Christian body throughout time, all of us uniting in the body of our Lord. And so I invite you, feel free to join us in this wonderful gift of our Lord. Please bow with me in a word of prayer. Our God, we thank you so very much for being with us in this way that we can see, this way that we can taste, this way that we can feel you with us today. Lord, we pray that the significance does not escape us. Lord, we pray that though we may be partaking in communion apart from our brothers and sisters in Christ, that nevertheless, we know that we are together with them through you. And so, God, again, we thank you. Amen. And so now I ask that you take the bread before you. My brothers and sisters, let us eat this together in remembrance of our Lord. And now let us take the cup and let us drink together in remembrance of our God. Lord, thank you. I ask you all now to join me in reciting the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Oh,
Our benediction comes from the book of Romans. And now to him who can make you strong in accordance with the gospel that I preach, and the proclamation of Jesus Christ in accordance with that mystery which was for endless ages kept secret, but now as the prophet's road is revealed, as the eternal God commanded to be made known to all the nations so that they obey in faith, to him the only wise God give glory through Jesus Christ forever and ever. Amen. Go now and serve our God.